So I have great news to report to you all. Uh, this week, Pastor Sarah Keeling moved in to the, uh, what I like to call the Glebe Road Parsonage. Um, they are, I, I had s'mores with her and her family last night. They are moving in and getting settled. And Pastor Sarah will be in worship next week. She'll be preaching upstairs and then coming downstairs after preaching uh, to be with us during, uh, to be with you all during communion. Uh, and then she'll be preaching down here uh, on, when we did the math, July 10th. Um, so I hope that you will be here next week to welcome her and her family. And then after worship on the 10th, uh, we're going to have like a, uh, like a usual church after church reception. Things church people do to welcome uh, new people into the community as a way uh, to show hospitality to Sarah uh, and, and her family. So I, ho- I hope you'll, you'll join us. Teaching the fruits of the Spirit, outlined by the Apostle Paul, was once my favorite confirmation lesson to teach. You see, I used to work in a church as the director of youth ministries over in Alexandria, Virginia, the Fort Hunt area, in a congregation very similar to Mount Olivet. Instead of having a congregation full of State Department folks, I had a congregation there full of DOD folks. Different branch of the federal government, same types of people. I mean, this lesson, it practically teaches itself. So the night before the class, I would go to uh, two or three supermarkets to buy every kind of fruit I could find from every continent or region of the world. And then on Sunday morning, my confirmands, all 60 of them, along with their teachers and their mentors, would begin to assemble fruit sculptures. Fruits of the Spirit sculptures. The com- it was a competition to see who could build the tallest one using sliced up fruit uh, and toothpicks. So, and as the teams would work on their sculptures, their mentors and teachers at each table would read them Galatians 5, our reading from this morning, and they would begin to discuss the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They would read this over and over again, each confirmant and mentor or teacher taking a turn as they continued to build their fruit structures. And then the mentor in the group would lead a discussion about how or where these students had seen the fruits of the Spirit at work in their own lives. Loving my family and friends, not being violent with my siblings or neighbors, trying to be patient with strangers or acting gently when caring for a pet. Like many witnesses testifying before Congress, the answers provided by my confirmands were enough not to be held in contempt, but vague enough to really not have said anything at all. The answers offered by my students and the adults were always enough to barely answer the question. The previous two chapters in his letter to the Galatians, the Apostle Paul has been talking about freedom. Paul's not talking about the star-spangled freedom that we will celebrate next week with fireworks and beer. No, the Apostle Paul is talking about freedom in Christ. Paul is explaining to the Gentile Christians in Galatia why they don't need to adopt Jewish law. In verses 2 through 15 of chapter 5, the part of Paul's letter that we skipped this morning, 
Paul lays out an argument against one of the biggest pieces of Jewish law that Gentile Christians do not have to follow, being circumcised. But that's a sermon for another day. Paul states that the Galatians are freed from the flesh and freed for life in the Spirit. Paul says that all of us are free from a life focused on selfish desires that are set against the Spirit, against God's Spirit. And you see, when, the, when Paul invokes the Holy Spirit, he's invoking the same Spirit that swept across the dark waters at the beginning of creation, that we read about back in Genesis when God fashioned the universe. Paul is calling upon the same Spirit that overshadowed Mary in the story that we recall every year during Advent. The same Spirit that descended from the heavens at the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River. The same Spirit that descended upon the early church at Pentecost. The same Spirit that has been at work in your life as a result of your baptism. The real presence of God here in this space right now present with you at the breakfast table this morning or when you're praying before you go to sleep. I've always wanted a do-over on my Fruits of the Spirit confirmation lesson. In hindsight, I may have spent too much time and maybe money curating the right fruits for sculpting and not enough time focused on the lesson the Apostle Paul was offering to the Galatians in the church today. My fruits of the Spirit lesson, it got off on the right foot. We were headed in the right direction. I had a group of people working together, a group of people identifying the the fruits of the Spirit that they saw in one another. A group of disciples working together to, to identify the movement of God in their own lives. And then, like a bonehead, I started the process of taking the work of community, a work about freedom, and making it individual. All of my loving people over in this corner, patient and kind people, you go over there and wait. Gentle people along that wall and controlling people right in the middle of the room. I had taken the gospel good news and turned it into law. I had taken the freedom in Christ that Paul wrote about in verse 1, and less than a minute later, turned it into law. The Apostle Paul wrote, Christ has set us free for freedom, not for anything else. And I asked, if you don't have one of these gifts, how might you go about deepening these missing gifts? as if the missing gifts were somehow the fault of the sixth grader standing in front of me. With that question, I had fallen into the crisis American Christianity currently finds itself in. American Christians have a habit, color me guilty, of making Christianity into a religion about good people getting better. When in reality, as Pastor David Zoll points out in his book, Seculosity, Christianity is a religion of bad people coping with their failure to do good. The fruits of the Spirit identified by Paul are not attributes to which you and I should try to aspire to on our own. The fruits of the Spirit are not a code of conduct for you to follow. They're not a code of conduct for the church. Paul's not writing a rule book for us to follow. 
Paul's letter was not written with a specific person in mind. So you don't have to worry. Those words weren't written about you. One of the follies of Western Christianity is to think that we can have a personalized faith. This is one of the reasons why we pick and choose texts from our holy scriptures, the ones that we want to pay attention to, and then we ignore a bunch of the other ones that either we don't like because they don't fit in with our agenda or ideology, or because they might make our lives a little bit difficult. This is perhaps a byproduct of the Billy Graham Crusades, where American Christianity runs the trends of looking towards personal revelation. This is how we've ended up with political arguments sprinkled with hand-picked religious texts that sound good in a tweet or in a soundbite, but are missing the overarching story of God's salvific grace. In an interview, Dr. Stanley Hauerwas, a Christian ethicist at Duke Divinity, was asked, Christians often talk about having a personal relationship with God, and they describe it as a kind of friendship with God. Is this a useful category for those who are looking on or trying to understand what Christianity is all about? Dr. Hauerwas's response? No. The last thing I want is a personal relationship with God. Our relationship with God is mediated. That's the reason why, without the church, we know not God. My little tag is no Israel, no Jesus, no church. K-N-O, no. No Jesus. Our faith is mediated faith through people by word and by sacrament. I would never trust myself to have a personal relationship with God. So Paul's letter was not written specifically for you. Paul's letter to the Galatians, all of Paul's letter, really all of the Holy Scriptures were written for God's people. Yes, we make up the body of Christ as individuals, but the texts were written for a broader audience. The body of Christ is assembled through the love of God, our Creator, the faithfulness of Christ, and the power of that fruit-filled Spirit. I want you to pay attention to what Paul writes. The fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit is. Not the fruits of the Spirit are. It's singular. The fruit of the Spirit is. Do you notice the difference? The fruit of the Spirit is one gift, requiring one another, produced through the Holy Spirit and not individual Christians. Through Christ's body. The fruit of the Spirit is the Spirit-filled life. And that's what it means to learn how to be a disciple and to live a life that requires sharing our lives with one another. The fruit of the Spirit is describe the body of Christ made flesh in the world through the work of the Holy Spirit. We need one another, not in our corners or in the center of the room. We need all of us, one another, to share life. Life centered on the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Life made possible through word and through sacrament. Life free from religion for the sake of self-improvement. Instead, we have been freed to live life only made possible through the Holy Spirit. Life centered on who you are right now, beloved and free, just as you are now. A life where who you are not 
is no longer interesting. Life where I need you, and you need me, and we need one another. Life, new life in Christ, made possible through the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen.